AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. I got a little bit of extra for you. It is Sunday, March 20th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and I'm coming to you, as always, from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday afternoons, wherever you may be. We got some major WrestleMania spoilers for you today. We got news on Cody Rhodes again, as usual. As you guys know, maybe you've been living under a rock somewhere. As of Friday, it was announced and confirmed by Mike Johnson of PW Insider that Cody Rhodes is joining WWE. He is now officially signed to World Wrestling Entertainment. I got news on WrestleMania 38 attendance figures. USA Network apparently is happy with the NXT 2.0 ratings. And Tony Khan plans for AEW talents to appear on Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, WrestleMania weekend. All that, plus so much more right here on OTS. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS Extra. And if you missed any of the content on the channel this week, there is plenty of it. Go check that out. Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown, and episode 422 of the podcast live on the channel. Go check that out. Everything you need is on the homepage right there. Plus, next week, we're going to have even more content. I'm bringing the NXT reviews back on Tuesday. We're going to be doing some WWE 2K22 content as well next week. So it's going to be a very, very busy week. And I'm glad you guys are joining me right here on OTS. Let's start at the top. Major WrestleMania spoilers coming from Squared Circle on Reddit. Steve Austin is scheduled to main event WrestleMania 38 on Saturday and there are other news and rumors circulating around what's going to happen with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins and what night that will be happening as well. But Reddit user or Reddit insider Kermit125, he's broken several stories in the past. He actually leaked about Cody Rhodes being signed to WWE as of Monday in Jacksonville. He's actually posted some spoilers for night one and night two of WrestleMania. Kermit125 notes the plan is for Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes to happen on night two, Sunday, of WrestleMania 38. The Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, which I'm predicting opens the show on Saturday afternoon, 
is scheduled to take place that Saturday, which is day one of WrestleMania. WWE, as far as Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, don't know if you guys are aware of this, and I don't know how legitimate it is. It's rather odd that WWE announced this two weeks, less than two weeks before WrestleMania. They announced that Bianca Belair is injured, and per this story on WWE.com, Belair suffered a fractured hyoid bone in her throat, and as a result of the attack from Becky Lynch, she's going to be out a considerable amount of time. So the story reads that last Monday, Lynch wrapped a chair around Belair's head and neck and shoved her into the ring post. This injury news appears to be a continuation of the storyline, and a week prior, Lynch was out of action after suffering a legitimate throat injury at a house show. The injury states that Belair will not need surgery and will be out of action for an unspecified amount of time as she recovers. It's kind of odd. Less than two weeks before WrestleMania, I wonder if they are thinking about removing Belair from the match and doing something else with somebody else, or if they're just really playing this up to make the match feel like a bigger deal because right now going into it, the match honestly feels very, very lukewarm And I've been saying this for months, and nobody seems to be catching on to what I have to say here. Everybody's like, oh, this match needs to main event WrestleMania. No. Oh, this match is a long-term storytelling angle with WWE and, and, and Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. If you think Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch was the plan coming out of SummerSlam, if you think WWE had long-term booking in mind coming out of Bianca Belair's 26-second loss at SummerSlam, you are a complete and utter fool. It's not the case. It's not long-term booking. The fact of the matter is, there is nobody else for Becky Lynch. The Raw Women's Division, as well as the SmackDown Women's Division, sucks. I don't know if you guys have heard. It sucks. WWE is trying to make this feel like a bigger deal in the end because it honestly doesn't even feel all that important. Don't know how anybody out there thinks this is going to be better and bigger for Bianca Belair compared to what she did with Sasha Banks last year at WrestleMania. It boggles my mind how nobody can come up with this logical idea and thought about Bianca Belair. Did what they did with uh, Sasha Banks last year have a major effect on Bianca Belair? Yes, it did. Did WWE fuck it up? Yes, they did. Is WWE trying to recreate what happened last year with B- uh, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair this year? Yes, they are. And it's not going to be a bigger deal. That match was important. This match is not. Now, KO. KO is doing a KO show, Kevin Owens, with Stone Cold Steve Austin. These two and the KO show are scheduled to close WrestleMania night one. So that will essentially be the main event of the night. And I'm glad... Somebody in W, I hope this is correct, because I do not want Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey to close out the show. I I honestly think WWE, in some sick and twisted way, is in agreement with what I've been preaching for weeks now. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, you know, this match is not a WrestleMania main event match. Nobody gives a shit about Ronda Rousey. Nobody gives a shit about Charlotte Flair. You put these people... In the main event, these two ladies in the main event that nobody gives a shit about, not really going to be a great ending to WrestleMania night one. I don't think that's going to really elicit any type of excitement going into night two. 
So I'm glad WWE possibly could be thinking the same thing that I've been thinking for weeks. I would much rather see Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's a bigger deal than both Charlotte and Ronda combined, obviously, end the show and do the KO show in the main event spot instead of giving us a very, very boring and very unimportant SmackDown Women's Championship match that absolutely has drawn no heat as far as interest is concerned. That's what I think. So that is hopefully what is going to happen. And I'm glad from Kermit125 that Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey may not end up main eventing WrestleMania, which I would think is fucking hilarious, being that Charlotte Flair more than likely politicked her way into a main event. I'd get the last laugh on that one, man. That is fucking hilarious if it actually ends up being the case. Continuing on with the WrestleMania speculation, several top stars are excited about Cody Rhodes rejoining WWE. The speculation, the rumor, the talk, it is all over, ladies and gentlemen. It was finally put to bed on Friday night when it was officially reported by Mike Johnson of PW Insider, followed up by Sap and Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. Cody Rhodes has resigned with the WWE. Fightful. They went into their typical mode and gave you additional information on everything regarding Cody's status since the news broke on Friday, noting that several top stars in WWE are reportedly very excited about the possibility of Cody rejoining the company. Fightful Select also confirmed the reports of Cody being on the Monday Night Raw brand as they noted that he's currently planned to be featured on the post-WrestleMania Monday Night's Raw show. This is obviously the case. This was always going to be the case. Rollins is a Raw superstar. Cody's wrestling Seth Rollins, according to the reports at WrestleMania. Why wouldn't he be the first thing we see on Monday Night Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania? That is going to be very exciting, man. I can't wait to see Cody Rhodes back on WWE television. I know I may seem a little excited, a little bit too excited, and I know, I know that WWE is going to fumble Cody Rhodes' return. They're going to fumble Cody Rhodes creatively. I know, I get it. I know. But I'm not setting myself up for disappointment because I'm already disappointed. I'm just waiting for it to happen. So let me be excited about this because I've been mentioning this all over the place in anything that I do. Cody Rhodes joining WWE is a very, very good thing. It's a great thing, in fact. If Cody Rhodes brings any interest to a dying creative product, more so than anything else, then I'm going to get excited about it. If Cody gives me a reason to actually care about anything that happens on Monday Night Raw, which right now is zero outside of Edge, then I'm going to be excited about Cody Rhodes. If Cody Rhodes brings any sort of excitement in ring, as far as an in-ring aspect is concerned, he brings a style that WWE isn't really you know, in bed with. They don't normalize his style. He's a very story-driven talent. Anything he does is going to have some sort of importance behind it. There's nobody that tells a story there in WWE outside of the usuals, Edge, Roman Reigns. You don't get that all over WWE television. If you're going to add to that, then I'm going to get excited about it. All I want is a reason to care, and Cody is a reason to care. And I find it very hilarious that AEW is letting Cody Rhodes walk. Cody Rhodes is a founding father of AEW. 
Cody Rhodes is a former AEW talent walking into WWE, and he is right now the most interesting thing on all of WrestleMania show. Night one and night two. I find it funny that an ex-AEW star is the most interesting thing going into WrestleMania. I'm not going to sit here and say Cody Rhodes is saving WrestleMania. WrestleMania is beyond saving right now. Outside of Edge and AJ Styles, Roman and Lesnar, and the unification possibly of the Universal and WWE Championships, Cody Rhodes is the most interesting thing on both night one and night two. So by that alone, I'm excited. And for Monday Night Raw following WrestleMania, the last couple of years Monday Night Raw has happened after WrestleMania. It hasn't felt like the Raw after WrestleMania. If Cody Rhodes gives you a sense of Raw after Mania feeling big, then I'm going to get excited. So that's my stance on it. I'm already disappointed because I know what's coming. I know what to expect with these people. Will they fuck him up? Absolutely. I'm just waiting for it to happen. But if we can get a little bit of interest coming out of WWE television, then I'm going to get excited about it. Seriously. That's my stance on Cody Rhodes. That's how I feel about Cody Rhodes going into WrestleMania. And like I said on Friday, WWE needs to tread very lightly with this. This is a big W if they actually go off and do the right thing. If Cody Rhodes is treated well on WWE television, then it may open the eyes of others who have contracts coming up. See Cody Rhodes being treated well over in WWE and think, well, first I didn't want to go over there, but Cody's being treated well over there, so I'm going to test the waters and I'm going to venture off and do this myself as well. WWE has a rare chance at a W here. They cannot afford to fuck up Cody Rhodes. WWE is nowhere near a sellout for WrestleMania 38. An update has emerged on ticket sales for WrestleMania 38 on April 2nd and April 3rd. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted that as of this writing, 58,145 tickets have been moved for WrestleMania on Saturday. 57,083 for April 3rd, Sunday, night two. Unsure whether WWE will be able to fill the arena to capacity on both nights, says Dave Meltzer. At this press time, the WrestleMania shows have that amount of tickets out for the show, so both nights have 22 to 23,000 seats left to fill in about two and a half weeks. There would seem to be no way they can legitimately sell out either night, but they also will probably get 65 to 70,000 in the building with probably 7,000 to 10,000 comps unless they more or likely heavy comp tickets going into the show. Being WrestleMania, one would think it would be easy to comp as many people as they need to make it full and announce 100,000 for both nights. The last time in Dallas, they exaggerated the number by 21,000, which is the record as the usual protocol is an inflated number going by 10,000 to 13,000 in that range, but they will likely inflate it by at least that much this time around, end quote. WWE is failing to sell WrestleMania tickets. For, for what reason, folks? Why, why are they struggling to sell WrestleMania tickets? Do they think the fans are that stupid? Do they think the fans are looking at this card and getting genuinely excited about the same legitimate shit that happens on TV every single week with the same cast of characters? Do you think the fans are stupid enough to buy tickets to go see Johnny Knoxville wrestle at WrestleMania when you have an entire roster, an entire locker room of talent that hasn't been given an opportunity 
Why are you paying money to see Johnny Knoxville wrestle in a WWE ring and guys like Ricochet and everybody else in the back, Ali, and all these other guys in the back that haven't gotten opportunities, why are they not on the WrestleMania card? Fans are not stupid. They see right through WWE's bullshit. And the fact of the matter is, writing and television has been absolutely dreadful. If you don't like what you're watching on TV, why are you going to go out to Dallas, buy a ticket, get an Airbnb or a hotel, spend a week out there and do the pro wrestling thing when the show actively sucks? If the show sucks on TV for 52 weeks a year and then WrestleMania comes around, why would you spend your hard-earned money on watching something that you know is going to be genuinely terrible? I say this every year. WrestleMania is the most disappointing show of the entire year. It may be the worst book show of the entire year. It's absolutely overhyped and over-exaggerated. That's my take on WrestleMania. And I'm not surprised WWE is failing on selling tickets to their biggest show of the year. It's because their television product is the fucking same way. And they will inflate the numbers. They will comp tickets. And then at the show on Saturday and Sunday night, you'll get 90,000 people in attendance. Meanwhile, this information is readily available on social media. So you know that they're fucking bullshitting. Meanwhile, I will say this as a uh, little little zinger to the e-drones Double or nothing doesn't need to comp tickets. They sold out in six minutes. T-Mobile Arena, the largest non-WWE gate for a pro wrestling show on American soil in history. Just just leave it to to the E-Drones to fucking throw it back in AEW's face. Six minutes, 13,000 tickets, a live gate of 1.2 million. But I thought AEW was on its deathbed. Who would have thought? USA Network reportedly happy with the recent NXT 2.0 ratings. Oh, really? USA Network is happy, but the fans aren't happy. I know I'm not happy. I don't even watch the fucking show like I used to anymore. WWE's made a lot of changes to NXT for worse, not better. Since that time, they've pushed the likes of Braun Breaker, who I enjoy, Tony D'Angelo, who I enjoy, Grayson Waller, who's a little cringe, but he's very good in the ring, Carmelo Hayes, who I really don't get, but I enjoy in the ring, in addition to using main roster stars, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, Dolph Ziggler, who is the NXT champion, and The Miz have all been on the show. WWE thinks by using these main roster talents that it's going to generate interest for NXT. The more they do that, the more that the vision of NXT goes away and disappears. Because all you're really doing is showing us that you can't create and you don't have the patience to create new talent, that you're taking the platform of NXT 2.0 and you're wanting it to be Raw and SmackDown when it should not resemble anything of Monday and Friday night. It's a fucking developmental. I do not not want to see The Miz on NXT. There's something very, very wrong about Miz TV on NXT, whether it's NXT or NXT 2.0. It should not be a thing. WWE is trying desperately to turn Tuesday night into Monday night. And the reason why we love Tuesday night and Wednesday night when Triple H was in charge is because it did not resemble anything of the main roster. And they're going fucking backwards. As usual, Bruce and Vince are going backwards. The ratings for the show were going down before the relaunch of NXT because everybody knew exactly what WWE was doing. Thus far this year, NXT has been averaging between 551 and 685,000 viewers on the USA Network. They were down for sci-fi episodes, but that is always to be expected. Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men podcast mentioned during Thursday's episode 
that the network, USA Network, is happy with the current ratings of NXT 2.0. He says, they're doing good in the ratings, 620,000-ish. They're not doing terrible. USA Network is happy with this. I had a conversation with somebody on Tuesday from USA, and they were like, yeah, we're fine with the six-somethings because, listen, even with that slammed roster with, like, NXT being NXT, they were doing 700s. So USA doesn't really care if there are some WWE main roster guys there. They just want ratings. I think they're happy with the 600s and something, you know, rating-wise, you know, like 620, 650, a 7 for a big show like that. That's a decent range. Yeah, it's not that bad, says Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men Podcast. Listen, you know, NXT, it's not something that should really be about the ratings, I don't think WWE should really be, or USA Network should understand that it's not about the ratings. USA Network should really understand what the fuck Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon did to kill the product. They gutted the entire product. That is something that USA should be fucking upset about. They made the product actively worse. I have been saying to myself, I, 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 haven't, said this, I haven't said this publicly yet, but I honestly would be shocked if NXT 2.0 lives to see a day past 2022. At the end of the day, I honestly think that Vince McMahon would be okay canceling NXT and getting rid of it completely like he did 205 Live. I honestly truly believe that is what's going to happen. But NXT, just as far as Vince and Bruce and USA Network, they need to understand that this isn't about ratings anymore. It's not. I don't even know why USA Network is paying for this sh- for this shit show on Tuesday nights. I-, I don't I don't understand it. This could go right to Peacock. This could go right to Peacock like it was on the WWE Network when Triple H was in charge. There's no reason for this to be on USA Network. There's no reason for it to be two hours. There's no reason for USA Network to be paying millions for NXT television. It does nothing. It doesn't help the brand. And NXT just comes off like a lowly fucking D-level brand after what Triple H did with it. So... It should be used as a developmental and a developmental only. But now you got Miz and Mysterio and Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode and AJ Styles down there trying to help the show out. And this wasn't a mentality that we were used to in, 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 in NXT when Triple H was there. This wasn't even allowed. You talk about anybody coming from the main roster going to Triple H's NXT it was never allowed. It was a sin. They didn't allow anybody to go there to work for Triple H because they know if they took somebody from the main roster that Triple H would actually treat them better and use them better than what Vince and Bruce would do with them. So they didn't want to get upstaged. They didn't want Triple H to upstage them, but now it's okay. Now they're abusing the system. The more it happens, the less, the less important it's going to feel. The more it happens, the less big it's going to feel. We saw Mysterio, Styles, Ziggler. Ziggler, Rude, and Miz were all on the same show with Rey Mysterio. I'm sorry, I I thought this was about pushing the future. Not pushing the shit that we usually see on Monday and Friday night. Ass backwards, but USA is happy with it. I don't think they should be concerned with ratings whatsoever. Tony Khan. He's got plans to have AEW talent appear on Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor 15. He was on Busted Open Radio. This week, where he talked about the future of Ring of Honor Supercard as well as the future of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Tony Khan says, and I quote, Something else I'm looking forward to is it's going to be a very unusual circumstance on AEW Rampage in two weeks 
which is, let's say, a crowded day in pro wrestling. I wouldn't have made it my first choice as far as the scheduling is concerned, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it publicly, so I thought it would be a great thing to address today with you guys. In two weeks, it will be a very crowded Friday night of wrestling. I had not rescheduled this pay-per-view, the Ring of Honor Supercard show, but I really think it's important for me because they sold tickets and made a commitment to the fans to still do the show. I see it as a transitional show in many ways that I'm really excited about because it is the first show under new management. It's also a transition show before I relaunch what I hope to be a really great new Ring of Honor television product, a weekly series, wherever it does air or stream. This is a great opportunity to put our own stamp on it, but also pay respect to the great Ring of Honor traditions and the great history of Ring of Honor with some of the top stars from the recent Ring of Honor and some of the great wrestlers who have been in Ring of Honor historically that may now be on AEW's roster. Am I going to take everybody from AEW and bring them there? No, but I do think there is a very cool way to use some of the great wrestlers in AEW who are going to be available and make this a great show. We have some of the best wrestlers, best athletes in the world already in AEW. Ring of Honor has a great tradition and some great matches, not just in their library from the past, but also very recently, so I'm very excited about this. It's a unique circumstance because there's other stuff on TV that night, including Rampage, so it's going to be unusual because I'm effectively in two places at once. It'll be one of those bizarre, hopefully memorable nights in pro wrestling. I would never compete with my own show, so it's going to be a very different night because we're making one night only, one-time only exceptions. Tony Khan, I'm going to be covering this show simply because this is Tony Khan's first production under Ring of Honor now since he's purchased the company. I want to see what he does with this show. So so come Friday, that Friday, I'm not going to be doing SmackDown. I'm not going to be doing Rampage. I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in what Tony Khan does with this Ring of Honor show, Supercard of Honor. I said this from the get-go. With him purchasing Ring of Honor, you knew to expect AEW talent over there because a lot of the AEW talent has either worked with Ring of Honor or the people that have left Ring of Honor that Tony Khan is signed to AEW contracts will be placed on the Ring of Honor show. Whenever they do a show or a TV series, they will be placed on the Ring of Honor product to get their feet wet. If they're not getting TV time on Dynamite, on AEW television, they will effectively get TV time and in-ring work via Ring of Honor. So nobody's just sitting around waiting to do dark tapings or rampage tapings or whatnot. So everybody is going to get a little piece of the pie. This is great. Ring of Honor according to sources, is going to be used as a developmental territory for AEW. Getting those AEW talents that still need some in-ring work, getting them a major spotlight on the Ring of Honor brand with the value that comes with the Ring of Honor name, getting them on TV shows, getting them on, you know, pay-per-views like Supercard of Honor, getting them in-ring work, building them up so they have another platform besides just Dark on YouTube to get their shit in, which is going to be closely monitored by Tony Khan and his management team that will be used to bring over to Dynamite when that talent is ready. That is a great thing. And that that's what Ring of Honor should really be used for. It, it honestly should be used as a developmental, like everybody has been reporting. Mike Johnson, Sean Ross Sapp, Dave Meltzer, when the news broke that Tony Khan bought ROH. Now, there are other talents out there that have not been given contracts by any wrestling promotion since Ring of Honor has closed down. Tony Khan can't sign anybody, or everybody, actually. He can sign anybody he wants. He can't sign everybody 
that was let go from Ring of Honor. He's going to sign who he thinks is going to fit the AEW brand best, and he's going to sign who he thinks is going to make him the most money as far as merch sales and sell tickets to AEW shows. So that's what's going on there. I read a thread yesterday that there are some talents in Ring of Honor that are actually upset that Tony Khan is not allowing them to be on Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor. We don't know what Tony Khan's got planned. He's only got three or four matches announced. Two matches confirmed. The world title match and the tag team title match with the Briscoes and FTR. We got Bandito versus Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World Championship. I honestly think that is the only match announced. I I believe Strickland and Alex Zane has been announced. But those are the the confirmed names for the show. We, We don't have anybody else as far as matches is concerned. We got maybe one or two or three other talents that are going to appear on the show. We, we, we don't know what they're going to be doing or who they're going to be in the ring with. But everybody from the Ring of Honor side that doesn't have a contract right now, there are a small group complaining that they are not being brought in for Ring of Honor, but they're Ring of Honor talent. It's Tony Khan's discretion. If Tony Khan doesn't want you, Tony Khan doesn't need you, then he's not going to bring you in. All because you were part of Ring of Honor and you don't have a contract and Tony Khan bought out the company, that doesn't mean you automatically get your job back with Tony Khan. It's up to him if he wants you or not. It's up to him if he finds value in you or not. Some of the entitlements from some of these guys, some of these indie guys, is fucking embarrassing. It's up to Tony Khan now. He's the boss. It goes with what he wants to do. So I'm excited about this. And I honestly think Tony Khan loves pro wrestling and he is an equal opportunity provider. I honestly do think that these people that are disgruntled will end up getting a spot on the show, and it will be a great platform for them to work even harder to show Tony Khan, listen, I belong here, I want to be here, I want to be working for you. So it's going to be a very interesting story with Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor and what happens with the company moving on into the future, but primarily it should be used as a developmental territory to get AEW talent that isn't getting opportunity right now, more in-ring time for them to develop so Tony Khan could really build talent and the future of the company via Ring of Honor. I think that's the best way to go about it, but I'm excited for this Supercard of Honor show. I think that FTR Briscoe's match is going to be an absolute banger, so I will be covering that on that Friday. I believe that's the, the last Friday of the month, right before WrestleMania weekend. WWE has announced their new class of NXT that includes Rock C, who is the former Ring of Honor Women's World Champion before she lost that championship to Deanna Perrazzo. Santina Morella's daughter, as well, is amongst the class of names that WWE officially signed. We got Teresa Schulesler. I believe her name on NXT TV is Fallon Henley. She debuted on NXT 2.0, I believe, this past Tuesday. She is a Tampa, Florida native. Five years of experience under her belt competing on the indies under the name Tasha Price. Kayla Inlay has already began to make a name for herself on NXT 2.0 and NXT Level Up. She's a former collegiate dancer and cheerleader trained by former WWE superstar Tyler Breeze. There's a 6'2", 300-pound Joseph Sculptorp, he is a NCAA all-conference offensive lineman at North Carolina State before signing with the Atlanta Falcons as an undrafted free agent. So he is a big boy. And that's exactly what WWE is looking at as far as signing talent. The first two, 
I'm surprised that they actually had any independent experience because that is not really what's on WWE's list of things to do as far as hiring anybody to the WWE Performance Center. We got an 18-year-old named Maddie Kinsley, six-time state champion in vault, trained in competitive gymnastics for 11 years. Again, goes to show you where WWE is doing their hiring. She was actually uh, somebody that got some independent work on the indie scene. She was known as Nikita Knight. I don't know how that name is going to go over. I'm sure they'll give her a new name because there's now a Nikita Lyons on NXT TV, and you know how WWE doesn't like two people with the same names. We got Calix Hampton, 22-year-old former athlete from the University of Oregon, competed on the school's acrobatics and tumbling team. Mitchell LaVey, he was uh, somebody that made a name for himself on the independent circuit under the moniker Mother Lover, Jake Tucker, uh, trained by Hall of Famer Kane, Natalia, Tyson Kidd, and Dr. Tom Pritchard, who is Bruce Pritchard's brother. So he's got some decent training there, so he's somebody to look out for as well. Bianca Corelli, she is the daughter of WWE superstar Santino Morella. She comes to the Performance Center after earning her bachelor's degree in biology from Western University. So she's got a background in biology. She is an MMA fighter with a focus on judo, jiu-jitsu, and boxing. So Corelli, uh, there was rumor about her possibly not being picked up by WWE. They ended up picking her up. Anyway, we got Gabe Y. He is a Florida native. He is a rugby player at Lindenwood University, six, uh, 260 pounds. Uh, Carla Gonzalez from Texas, better known as Roxy. You guys know Roxy, former Ring of Honor Women's Champion, graduated from Booker T's Reality of Wrestling School, and the youngest ROW Diamonds champion. And then we got Amelia, Amelia Herr, an 18-year-old criminal justice major out of Westchester, PA. Two years of Taekwondo training under her belt. She also competed on the independent circuit known as the Notorious Mimi. So WWE has signed some, mostly female, all female actually, um, to their performance center that has some independent training or some independent experience. Not much, but young enough and I guess rookie enough to kind of leave that shit at the door as they train them in the WWE way of life. So everybody's going to figure out that whatever they learned is useless and WWE's taking them in at a young age and they're going to guide them and mold them into the WWE way of life. They're not going to sign somebody like Adam Cole who's been everywhere and then bring him on into the WWE. They're not going to sign somebody like a Jonathan Gresham and bring him on in who's wrestled everywhere and wrestled everybody because they're not going to actively change somebody like that to make him a better professional wrestler. They know if they bring in people like this rugby players and people that are very inexperienced from the indies that there is time because they're young enough to mold them to learn the WWE way. So you see where their mentality is. You know, it's okay if you have just a tad bit experience, not so much. And then they're going to go for the uh, cheerleaders and the rugby players and the football players, everybody that has failed anywhere else. They're going to take they're going to take these athletes and bring them on into the WWE Performance Center and train them on how to be a sports entertainer. Positive update from Big E. So we got another uh, Twitter video from Big E. He's in good spirits. He walked around the neighborhood. He is doing well. No surgery needed for Big E. He says, I'm just here to provide a brief life update. Right now I'm walking around my neighborhood. It's about 80 degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. Wearing this matching Street Fighter shirt. 
Life is good. I got breath in my lungs. It's a beautiful day. Got my little taco meat. And he points to his chest hair. That's what they call uh, the chest hair, taco meat. That's my life. That's what I got going on in my life. My neck might be broken, but my heart is still in there, I think. So Biggie is very happy, man. I mentioned this on Friday. Good updates from Biggie, positive updates about Biggie. With the outpouring of love and support that Biggie has gotten over the past couple of days, week, since he broke his neck, WWE could really use this to their advantage. Obviously, he's going to be fine. And he's going to come back. He's going to go through rehabilitation. No surgeries needed. He got away very lucky. But WWE could really use this to their advantage. With all of the support that Biggie's gotten, he's going to be bigger when he comes back than he was before he broke his neck. If there was ever a time for a reset, and this may be up to them to see if he really can handle the ball this time and run with it, maybe trust him a little bit more. I don't want them to give him the championship as a way, oh, look, uh, we're just going to feed off the positivity that uh, everybody was showing Big E now that he's back and survived a broken neck. I don't want them to do that. I want them to see how great Big E is and how supportive the fans have been of Big E, even when he was the WWE champion. But they were the ones to blame. They're the ones at fault for ruining his championship reign. Maybe this could be used as a reset. Maybe Big E comes back bigger than ever, and they see him a little bit differently and maybe give him a proper WWE championship run on Monday night. Now, it all depends on what happens with the championship. There may be one championship. There may be two championships when he comes back. We won't know until after WrestleMania. But the thing is, if Big E was to ever be a main event guy in WWE, this is the perfect opportunity to hit that reset button and start all over again with him because he's going to be bigger now when he comes back from the broken neck than he was before. And WWE really dropped the ball on him had him win the world championship, did it in a very, very terrible way. They hot shot of the title, wasn't memorable. They should have waited on it. He wasn't ready at the time. And then they gave him one of the most lackluster runs as WWE champion that I've ever seen. And when he lost the championship, he looked like a schmuck doing so. And then they moved him back to the tag team division to feud with Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. Not really what I call a uh, solid run there for Big E. So WWE's got a chance as a reset, and I hope that they do take that chance on Big E. He's going to be bigger now when he comes back from the broken neck than he was before. Shelton Benjamin. Got news on Shelton Benjamin. There was a release rumor going around about Shelton Benjamin being released from WWE. He had to reach out to Twitter and say, I have not been released from the company I don't know where this false report came from. And then he added Mia Yim. He says, probably Mia Yim. But for those that cared, thank you. But this time, your concerns are premature. Shelton Benjamin returned to WWE in 2017 after a seven-year absence from the company. He rejoined SmackDown upon his return to WWE. He's a former everything, really, intercontinental champion, tag team champion. Shelton Benjamin is great. He had a tag team with Chad Gable that lasted just a year when he returned to WWE. He was drafted to Raw as part of the 2019 draft. He joined the Hurt Business alongside WWE champion then Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and MVP was their mouthpiece in 2020. Shelton Benjamin has had a very uh, unenthusiastic run in WWE. Not really all that special. He did resign, I believe, not too long ago for a five-year extension. Don't know how long that's going to be. But where these rumors came from, I have no idea. 
somebody on social media probably started this, and then he had to jump in and interject and say, I don't know where this got started, but no, I'm still with the company. I give him till after WrestleMania. I've been predicting who is going to be released. As fucked up as that may sound, I don't want anybody to get fired, but from what we see on television and the lack of those people being used, Dominic Dijakovic, T-Bar, Mace, Shotzi Blackheart, Aaliyah, Zaya Lee, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander. I do, uh, maybe Ali too, I have no idea. Ali was posting something on social media. When I get this shit sorted out, all of your indie favorites are going down. So maybe he's getting a, a good sense, a good feeling that WWE may let him out of his contracts. I don't know. But those previous names that I just mentioned, I would highly, highly, highly think that most of those names end up on Nick Khan's budget cut list after WrestleMania. Just look at who's not being used on television. It's not that difficult to figure out. I don't want anybody to get released, and it's their fucking fault, and they could use talents, especially the women's talent, but they don't. They don't know how to do anything right on WWE television. I do think, though, that Shelton and Cedric will end up being released by the WWE just to cut budget. I hope not. AW Dynamite rating for this week. Steel Cage main event with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. They were nearly at a million. They drew 993,000 viewers. That was up from the 945,000 live viewers the show did one week ago in the 18 to 49 demo. The show did a 0.38 rating, which was down from the 0.4 rating the show did last week. St. Patrick's Day Slam edition of the show was headlined by Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker inside a steel cage match. Excellent main event match between these two ladies. And Thunder Rosa is the new AEW Women's Champion. Excellent match. I said this with Jesse on Wednesday. If it was given five more minutes, it probably would have flowed a little bit better and come off a little bit better than it did. It did feel like they did rush to the ending a little bit quick, and they they had to end up no-selling a lot of the stuff just to rush to the ending, but it did not take away from the moment that Thunder Rosa had on Dynamite winning that AEW Women's Championship. The Hardys made their in-ring tag team debut against Private Party. They ended up beating Private Party. Swanton Bond by Jeff Hardy. Wardlow, he was screwed out of the TNT Championship by MJF against Scorpio Sky. And Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish beat Jurassic Express and Adam Page when Adam Cole Bebe pinned Jungle Boy one half of the AEW Tag Team Champions. Excellent show for AEW on Wednesday. Very much looking forward to Wednesday as usual. Dynamite ranked number six in the top 150 shows on cable for the night, down from number one last week. The NCAA March Madness Tournament is taking over TV, so AEW and WWE TV will be suffering because of the NCAA basketball games that are happening uh, until the tournament is over. It will be a similar thing for both companies moving forward in the month of March. Britt Baker. She had to issue a comment on her future after the loss to Thunder Rosa. She not only issued a future comment for herself, but she had to go on social media and blast the geeks for saying that the thumbtacks used in the match were fake. Baker was being criticized for one spot in the match where she appeared to no-sell a powerbomb onto thumbtacks by Thunder Rosa, which led some fans claiming that the thumbtacks the women used in the match were fake. Baker clearly was tired of the criticism, 
took to her Instagram stories to show off the wounds of the thumbtacks and told the people claiming the spot was fake to kindly fuck off. So good for her. It's amazing how people work themselves into such a frenzy when they think wrestling is fake, they go and attribute everything about pro wrestling being fake. No, it wasn't fake thumbtacks. And no, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa did really slam themselves on legit steel chairs. And yes, the the, the ring itself is not made out of a, a fucking bounce pad. It, it's wooden planks under there with a fucking thin blue sheet. Give me a break. They're slamming each other around. It hurts. L- let one of these fucking women slam you around and see how you fucking feel at the end of a training session with them. Give me a break. The thumbtacks were not fake. I don't even know why she even addressed that. It's fucking stupid. Let these people just yell into their echo chambers on social media, man. I've never seen such dumb fucks in my entire life. So, Britt Baker, she commented on her future. She said, while others relax and recover on their day off, I'm just leaving the dental office for the day. Bruised and cut up on two hours of sleep after traveling halfway across the country. I might have lost, but I gave you all a great women's championship reign that none of you deserving idiots will appreciate until I'm champion again. This will always be my division. So all those I paved the way for, you're welcome, DMD. You know, we could praise Thunder Rosa all we want, and we did on Wednesday night, but we also at the same time gave Britt Baker her praise and her flowers as well. Britt Baker was a relative unknown joining AEW. There really wasn't much known about her outside that she was Adam Cole's girlfriend. She wasn't very good in the ring. And when she started to develop that character, there were two instances where Britt Baker started to really gain traction. It was in an empty nightmare factory where she wrestled Hikaru Shida during the pandemic in front of no fans where she was bloodied. Then she wrestled Thunder Rosa in that unsanctioned match. And from there, you know, especially from the Shida match, she got the ball rolling on what she wants to be, who she wants to be, the character she wants to portray on TV. And it was carried on into that Thunder Rosa match. And from there, she did not look back on what she wanted to do. She made herself into a legit superstar because she knew exactly what she had to do, what she wanted to do, and what she wanted to be. And from that, and what she did as far as what she did to work on herself, she won the championship, and with everything she did to help herself, it helped the championship out. Britt Baker was a bigger star than anybody in the division because of the hard work she put in. And with that hard work, it made the championship that much more important. That's an amazing thing. Britt Baker made the Women's Championship more important based off the work she did for herself as far as her character growth. And now it's in Thunder Rosa's hands. I'm hoping Thunder Rosa could do the same thing. And I'm hoping that the division can really take a turn for the better with Thunder Rosa as Women's Champion. So you got to give Britt Baker her her credit as well. You you just can't credit Thunder Rosa for everything. You got to credit, you know, uh, Britt Baker as well for what she did for the AEW Women's Division and the AEW Women's Championship. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy made his debut on Dynamite last week, in-ring debut this week with Matt Hardy against Private Party. He was quoted saying on Matt Hardy's podcast with John Alba about why and when he was ready to go when he jumped the rail at the WWE house show that was seemingly his last day with the company. Jeff was actually asked what happened that night by John Alba. And he gave an answer that I'm not shocked by. He says, and I quote, certain things happen for a reason. Subconsciously, that was one of the smartest 
maybe the smartest things I've ever done, guided by something higher than me. In WWE, it was like glimmers of hope. Maybe I, I still do something here and there. The last glimmer of hope was Survivor Series, which was really good. It came down to me and Seth. The crowd was so behind me. I felt like one of the most popular baby faces in all the company because the crowd was so into me. Then there's other times I just felt like a ghost roaming the halls, and I'm like, why am I even here? I don't feel important at all. But, you know, I kept doing my deal. I just would show up and do whatever they wanted me to do. I was never a politicker, so I don't go out of my way to try and get a certain spot or achieve a certain status. But, yeah, that night in Edinburgh, Texas, for some reason, I just finished my heat. You know, I took the heat, and I said, I'm just ready to go. I went over the guardrail and disappeared into the crowd. Naturally, they think I took something like drugs or whatever, but I didn't. I mean, if I was that bad, I should have never have gone out there is the way I see it. But yeah, I thought, man, that's just another unpredictable thing that I can do and I'll get away with it. But it was more serious than that. Again, it was one of the smartest things I've ever done because everything worked out so perfectly, mainly because my first day in AEW, I felt valuable again for the first time. Just you know, the care and love that I was shown, I felt like I was there and I was supposed to be. I just got chills thinking about it. In WWE, I just felt like they were just going to keep me there to sell more action figures. That's one thing that I put so much love and joy into is painting my face. When I see that and what comes out of it and I'm immortalized in an action figure, I'm like, man, that's why I do this. This is so cool. So that's one thing I'm super excited about here in AEW is my first action figure with the face paint. And it's like, okay, it's here. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. So I don't want to toot my own horn, but there are little keywords in there. There are little keywords in there that really proved me to be right on the initial, you know, quote that I had gone out there and said, and, and I didn't even make it a story. I'm like, what if, what if Jeff jumped the guardrail? Knowing that that day he was done and knowing he jumped the guardrail because he wanted to fucking leave and he said to himself, if I do this, maybe WWE would get me out of here by doing something like they did and thinking that he was intoxicated or inebriated or drugged up on something. At some point, everybody, not just me, thought that that was the case. And it seems to me that what Jeff Hardy did was do exactly what I had brought up in discussion. Wasn't that far off now, was it? I'm not asking for my fucking flowers. I'm just asking you, when I say something on this show, appreciate the level of fucking care and discussion that we bring to the table. It wasn't that far off. But again, he says, it was one of the smartest things I've ever done because it worked out so perfectly. He felt like if he did this, you know, and he jumps that barricade, he knows in his, in his, in his body, in his mind, I'm ready to go. He was ready to go. I'm ready to go. He did not want to be there anymore. And he gave you the reasons why he did not want to be there anymore. He didn't feel important. He didn't feel valued. WWE was keeping him there to do whatever the fuck they wanted. They didn't give a shit about Jeff Hardy. He was going through the motions. Yeah, they would have gotten a, a nice Roman Reigns program out of it. But at the end of the day, Jeff could want that. He could love it for all he wants. But at the end of the day, WWE is just using him. So for what he wants and a feud with Roman, he wanted that legitimately. At the end of the day, where's Jeff Hardy going to sit after that Roman feud? He's going to go right back to being irrelevant, not valued, and unimportant by WWE. He realizes that. They want you when they want you. They need you when they need you. When they don't need you, 
they will show you in many, many ways that they don't want you and don't need you. And that's exactly what he was feeling. You can't fault him for that. You guys never worked a place and you go to work that day and you realize to yourself, I'm just fucking done here. I'm done. I walked out on a couple of jobs myself. And you know what? It was one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in my entire life, knowing that I did not need them anymore. I would never take that feeling away from Jeff Hardy. That's a great fucking feeling. And he knew what he wanted to do. He knew where he wanted to be. He knew he wanted to be with Matt. He knew he wanted to be the Hardys in AEW. And when he walks in there, he said, I felt valuable and appreciated and wanted on day one, something I haven't felt in WWE in years. You can't put a price on that. You can't. He also mentioned the Hall of Fame. He says, they, they wanted me to be in the Hall of Fame. It just felt completely wrong. Like, it didn't feel like it's the time at all. I almost felt offended. I was very emotional. I was like, wait, so what? After my 90 days are up and the Hall of Fame is in April or whatever, and I do go to AEW, how's that going to work? What are you trying to hit me with as far as if I do sign with AEW when I'm free? How would that even work? You know, just my mind and emotions kind of went crazy. Did they want to put him in the Hall of Fame as an AEW superstar? That's legitimately what he was asking. I was in tears because this is like my career. I know I've been a very influential person to a lot of young, misunderstood individuals, but yeah, it just felt so wrong. I almost felt like, how dare you, in a sense? I know it sounds crazy, I guess, when you get offered the Hall of Fame, it's like, oh, of course, yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. It's never really meant that much to me, like the Hall of Fame, whatever it is, but it's not time for that. That's why it just kind of, to me, was a hard no, especially it feels like something Matt and I should do together as the Hardy Boys when the time is right. WWE fucked up on Jeff Hardy. They embarrassed themselves in front of Jeff Hardy, and they showed how desperate they really are. And at the end of the day, it's one big underlying fucking aspect to it all. They consider AEW competition. They didn't want Jeff Hardy to go to AEW because they know that they have value in Jeff Hardy and the Hardys, and WWE is letting the Hardy Boys, one of the most popular tag teams of all time, walk right into the competition's door. So... WWE, at the end of the day, if you really value Jeff Hardy, you should have fucking valued Jeff Hardy the way that Tony Khan and AEW valued Jeff Hardy. You had the Hardys together. What did you do? You didn't explore the option of getting them back together. You broke them up. You wanted Jeff as a solo, and you wanted Matt as a solo, and we all know Vince McMahon, uh, 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 he wants Jeff more so than he wants Matt. Tony Khan's not going to treat them any different. Tony Khan's not going to treat them differently at all. Tony Khan's going to treat them as an equal. Because that's their value. WWE fucked up. WWE massively fucked up. And finally, guys, before we get out of here, a couple of news and notes on Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega got surgery on his knee. Update on his status. There's no timetable for Kenny Omega's return, but there is at least news. He's going to have months of recovery, and Dave Meltzer discussed Kenny Omega's injury situation in the Observer Newsletter. He recently had arthroscopic knee surgery, after two and a half months of recovery, he will have another operation. That procedure will repair his sports hernia and is set for later this month. Meltzer says, Kenny Omega is currently recovering from arthroscopic knee surgery. The recovery from this will take about 10 weeks. He will then be getting surgery to repair his sports hernia at the end of March, and that's about a month or two of recovery. There are other things he's also taking care of. There's no time frame set for his return. Good. Get the surgeries, heal up, rehabilitate, take your time. AEW is such in a good place right now that you don't even realize Kenny Omega is out and Kenny Omega is not on TV. Look at the roster. 
That's what Tony Khan has set himself up for. Somebody that goes down with injury, like Kenny Omega, who's such a huge aspect of television, he's gone missing, and you don't even feel his, his presence missing. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a huge, glaring problem for the company. If Roman Reigns goes down with injury, WWE is fucked. If WWE does not have Roman Reigns, you look at this situation and compare the two companies. Look at what Tony Khan has done to set himself up, and look at what WWE continues not to do, to continue their fucking failure creatively on television. If Roman went down, WWE's fucked. If Kenny Omega goes down, if Kenny Omega, two or three top guys could go down, you know what? Tony Khan would be in the same boat he's in now. Not, not to worry. There's nothing to worry about. Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, and, and MJF went down with injury. Tony Khan and his television product would be okay because he's got a nice pillar of top talent that could take those spots when the top guys go down with injury. It's a beautiful problem to have. For everybody that says, oh, Tony Khan's got an overloaded roster, I don't see you complaining about it now with Kenny Omega being out. If he didn't have an overloaded roster, Kenny Omega's injury would be a more glaring aspect to him being missing off AEW Dynamite. And the AEW video game, I got news on that, seeing that we just got 2K22 released. Fightful Select recently reported that certain wrestlers are providing their inputs on the game's story mode. The outlet added that the Ukes team that was involved in the creation of a legendary SmackDown vs. Raw game is working on said story mode. He says, and I quote, there's a story mode which we're told is being worked on to include some input from wrestlers themselves. In addition, we've heard that several of the Ukes team that helped create the SmackDown vs. Raw games are part of the process as well. There are several wrestlers that we've heard from that haven't had anything to do with the video game thus far and aren't sure if they'll be included or involved. Others have taken reference photos but haven't done voiceovers yet. End quote. So, the AEW game is coming along and I'm glad it's taking as long as it is because I want it to be right. This could realistically be the biggest wrestling video game of all time. And I'm very much looking forward to what they do because this and the team working on this was a major part of my gaming childhood. So I'm very much looking forward to what they do. And Kenny Omega, you know, he may be rehabilitating from injury and getting surgery, and he's gonna have a lot of time to work on this game. And somebody that loves gaming like Kenny Omega, this is another aspect about it. Somebody that loves gaming so much and loves the video game world so much. Coming from Kenny Omega and the game being in Kenny Omega's hands and him being a leader of this project, it just goes to show you that the right people are in the right places and somebody like that is gonna make sure the game is going to be great. Somebody's going to take it and care for it and make sure that when it's released, it's gonna be the best product possible. That's why I trust Kenny Omega being a part of this and I can't wait to see what AEW produces as far as their new video game is concerned. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you so very much for your Sunday Extra. I'll be back on Monday with a brand new week of content. If you enjoyed today's video, please hit that thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think of the story and stories down below in the comment section. Let's try for a thousand likes on today's OTS Extra. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel that you might not have seen yet. Everything you need is on the homepage. Next time you'll see me is on Monday, maybe with some 2K22 content, and I'll be live from the venue for Monday Night Raw and the Monday Night Raw post-show right here on Off The Script. Enjoy your Sundays, guys. I'll see you back on Monday for more content right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.